Ever wonder how marketing leaders at massive marketing technology companies view podcasts? How do they use these shows? Where do they fall into their own marketing strategy? And how has getting involved in these brand podcasts impacted the careers of the senior leaders at such big companies? With so many brands incorporating shows into their own strategies, how are these big names at these big brands feeling about podcasts? I'm Lindsay Chepkema, CEO and co-founder of Casted, the first and only marketing platform built around brand podcasts. And this is our podcast. We all know HubSpot. They introduced us to inbound marketing. They showed so many of us how and why to blog and leveraged content for search, demand generation, and building our audiences. But what about podcasting? HubSpot got into podcasting about five years ago with the launch of The Growth Show, which is still running strong today, along with a few other shows it's launched over the last few years. So how does podcasting fit into the overall strategy of a brand that got its start being all about content? Well, let's find out. Straight from the host of The Growth Show and VP of Marketing at HubSpot, Megan Keeney Anderson. Uh, my name is Megan Keeney Anderson. I am a VP of Marketing at HubSpot and I'm host of The Growth Show. Sounds great. I'm so excited to have you here, Megan, and to hear about the role that Hub, that podcasting plays at HubSpot and for you and your career. So let's start there. What got you started in podcasting in general? Where was your start? It started with this show, actually. We had uh, about five years ago now, we had a really interesting situation. We had sort of seen the rise of podcasts coming. And we also, you know, we had a very popular, strong blog at HubSpot that was really good at attracting mid-level marketers, people trying to sort of build their careers and uh, searching for how-to content and things like that. We didn't really have a good vehicle for reaching people later in their careers, people who are at decision-making roles. So think about your VPs or your CMOs of different companies. And, um, you know, they, they just don't have time to go read a blog. Um, and so what we discovered was, uh, or at least our theory was, let's start a podcast and see if we can catch them in those little windows of time when they're commuting to work or working out or trying to fall asleep at night, uh, which is when I listen to podcasts. <laughs> and that was the theory. And so we launched that podcast um, at the time the CMO of HubSpot was Mike Volpe and he was the host. And it was really just a grand experiment. And then over time, I sort of stepped up into the role of host of that show. And it's been through a a number of different seasons and iterations, and we've learned a lot along the way. Sounds good. So that was your entry point was was podcasting at HubSpot. And then were were you involved in the show behind the scenes before stepping in as the host? Yeah, certainly. So um, we were, I was running the team that was kind of putting it together and we were, it it was fun, you know, like it reminded me very much of the early days of social media when you weren't, there was, weren't really sure what you were doing. You were throwing a bunch of ideas up to see if they stuck and there weren't a lot of analytics at the time to be able to tell you if they were working or not. And so you were really relying on hunting down clues of, what were what helped people find your podcast, what they cared about, really honestly, 
when podcasters say they read the reviews, they read the reviews. They they comb through them for evidence on if they're doing the right things or if they should pivot the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those were the sorts of things we were doing. And it reminded me of that very early pioneering days of social media when you just don't have a lot to go on and you're going on instinct a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. So how long have have you been the host? Uh, Is it awful that I don't remember? I want to say three years now. About about half the time, a little more than half the time that it's been around. Yeah. Definitely should look that up. (laughs) (laughs) Was that something that you raised your hand for or that somebody put into your lap? I think I raised my hand for it. I had been so closely involved with the show and Mm -hmm. when there was an opening for a host, I had I had actually come in as sort of a guest host on a couple of episodes, so mm-hmm. it was sort of a natural extension. And I do remember my first few episodes. I remember I had one with Easy Cater, um, which is a local company in Boston. Yep. Stefania Mollet there uh, was amazing. And I remember I had an interview with Patagonia that I cried about afterwards. It was so good. And I had an interview with ClassPass, actually, early in their days. And those are sort of the first season that I got into it. And it's funny, like you, you remember your first season's episodes really well. And now I listen back at those and I'm like, oh, I've come a little bit. I've come, I've come a ways <laughs> when it comes to hosting skills because yeah. I was clearly nervous in those, in those interviews. But yeah, it, so I think it's, you kind of get into it and then you evolve over time and you learn things about what works for questions and how to create space in an interview for someone, how to adapt. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's been a really fun interesting sort of personal development for me. Absolutely. And I think what you just said about you get into it and you learn and you adapt is absolutely true. And I can relate as a host. Yeah. And I think the same could be said as a whole for like the strategy and how you as a brand look at podcasting and, you know, fast forward, HubSpot has several shows. And as a marketing leader there, I'm interested in your thoughts from that perspective of, why have you chosen to expand into really kind of a network of podcasts? Yeah. And um, what, what does that look like? So since the growth show, that, that was our anchor show. And that was basically, you know, I described the problem it was trying to solve. We wanted to be a very brand oriented show. So putting out our editorial point of view into the world through the guests that we chose and the stories that we told, kind of your classic kind of brand podcast. Then we expanded into... Weird Work, actually, I think was the second podcast. And Weird Work was an experiment in a mass appeal show. So really further removed from the brand, not talking about necessarily business or HubSpot in particular, talking about just the the strange jobs that people find and pursue and, and really a love affair of like career development in a atypical way. And that was designed to be a play for just how big can we, how big of an audience can we get? If we broaden out away from this niche of of B2B companies, can we get a larger audience? That was an experiment in that. Then we did an experiment uh, with our show Skill Up, which was about, we had heard that Google was going to uh, put more emphasis into kind of transcribing podcasts for search and surfacing them better in search engine results. And so we said, all right, well, well, what does a search-friendly podcast look like? You know, we knew it didn't look like the growth show because people aren't necessarily just searching unless you're searching for the guests. You're not really searching for the topics that we're covering on the growth show. So then we went back to our roots of the blog and said, okay, let's do how to content. Mm-hmm. Let's do content that is designed to answer questions and um, 
help people learn to do, to pick up new skills. And that was the idea behind skill up. So, and then we've, we've expanded to, we've got a, a podcast in Germany for specifically for that audience. We've got culture happens, which is a podcast out of our culture team it talks about like how you build a corporate culture and pursue that. And I think the most important thing is that like, we didn't really set out to have a network. Each podcast has a distinct problem that it's trying to solve and or a distinct theory that it's chasing down. So every new show that we add, we hope it will teach us something. We hope it'll help attract an audience that's distinct, mm -hmm. but we also hope it'll teach us something about podcasting. One of the greatest things about working as a marketer for a company that sells marketing software is mm -hmm. everything is meta, right? Like you, yes. everything you do is both done for your audience and also done to help you learn something new that you can then in turn go teach your audience. And so a lot of our evolution uh, of the podcast network has been through experiments like that. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the, the role that podcasts play um, in your overall strategy, because you said um, one of the early reasons for podcasting in general was blogs are great, but are not the be all end all. And maybe we need another way to reach this audience or our audiences. How about today? Where do these shows fit into your overall picture of, of what you're doing, why you're doing it, who you're doing it for, your, your overall strategy for marketing? Yeah. Um, so I was talking with Nikwa, who's the creator of Hot Pod, which is a newsletter that many podcasters subscribe to. Mm -hmm. And he came on the growth show and was giving us his observations around the growth of the industry and decisions that people make. And one of the things that he said that I think is incredibly true is this idea of like too many brands start a podcast without knowing why. They just do it to check a box because their competitor has a podcast or they think it would be fun. And they don't know what they're trying to solve with that podcast or what, what need they're filling not, filling, not only for them, but also for their audience. And podcasting is hard enough to grow as it is without knowing why you're growing it or what need you're filling um, or why you exist to begin with it's almost impossible to have a successful podcast. So we've been, we've tried to be really intentional about when we start shows, what's the rationale behind starting it? Who's the audience we're trying to go after down to like, when are they listening to this? I mean, one of the interesting things that's come out of everybody being at home now during the COVID crisis is there's no, there, there are fewer morning commutes, right? And that is a big window where a lot of people listen to podcasts. And so what does that do to your listenership? And so we're trying to be very intentional around the types of shows we put out, the audiences we're reaching, and again, like where in that audience's life that podcast fits. And then knowing what would, what would determine a success or not. So, you know, for a show like Weird Work, the only reason we would do that is if it enabled us to achieve massive scale in terms of listenership. Because it's so far removed from HubSpot's brand that it has to have reach, right? Yep. But a show like The Growth Show, we may not need to have like huge listenership around the world because it is so solving a specific need for a specific type. But what we do need is we need 
the right type of listeners to listen to the whole thing, to have really good completion rates. But what you're trying to solve determines how you measure the success of that podcast, determines whether you do a new season, what the cadence of that seasons are. And so again, it I think everything that we do has a role to play in our business. And if you don't have that, it's not a a great starting place uh, for the for the potential of that podcast. Yeah. And so for that, with the different shows that you've got going, are how do the the audiences differ or are they the same? Are you are you looking to broadly speaking, you know, reach the same audience kind of from different perspectives, or are there unique um, audience, at least intended audiences for each show? Yeah. So there's unique audiences for each show and we try not to overlap because again, discoverability is such a challenge that you want to put all of your irons in, you know, I always mix metaphors. I was about to say behind (laughs) one horse and there's no reason that there should be irons and horses. Uh, (laughs) You want to put all of your carts behind one horse. How about that? So that you're, you're really driving the success of that for that audience. You don't want to have two shows that are going after CMOs at the same time unless it's like drastically different regions or there's some other rationale behind it. So yeah, we have, we have a collection of different shows and we try to not have overlap in the audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there may be some, but not intentionally. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think that we will make season, we'll make decisions about like how to layer those shows off of each other. So it may be that we're going after an executive audience with the growth show but we think that by hearing about skill up, they may through the growth show, they may you know send it to one of their mid level marketers, um, or they may help promote it in that way. So we think about how the shows relate to each other, but we try not to overlap too much. Yeah, that makes sense. Perfect sense. So, what do you, as I mean, your your host, but also marketing leader, what do you look for, um, even if it's tangible or intangible, sure. from your shows? What what sort of results? What even soft indicators of success, what do you hope to get out of your shows? We've gotten a ton out of our shows. I think um, there's always the thing that you're initially going after. And then there are all these epiphenomenal, like nice consequences that happen. So your North Star is typically listenership and the audience you're going after. And you want to see that growing year over year. You want to see the audience come back when you break for a season uh, you want to see the engagement rates stay high all the way through. That is the beautiful thing about podcasts is when people sit down to listen to a podcast, they listen all the way through. It, it is not, you're getting their attention, their full attention in many cases for 20, 30, 40 minutes. Uh, and that's so rare there. So certainly those listenership and growth numbers are what we're looking for. We're looking for distribution and, and access to a broader audience. But there are all sorts of, secondary benefits to doing podcasts. And and for me, one of the biggest ones has been for the growth show in particular, it's created access points to some of the most incredible business leaders and stories that I've ever come across. So that means we just did it wrapped a season where we did stories of uh, companies that pivoted during, after the crisis hit. And those stories I have resurfaced and reused in scores of different ways on blog posts, in speeches, in just lessons out of that for our own company and team. And so it just creates this conduit for exposure to really exceptional ideas. And then 
you know, one of the big mistakes I think people make, and that I always kind of encourage my team to remember is it does not have to only exist in the podcast world. We can then repackage that across social, across blog content, et cetera. And that is real magic because um, it creates real fodder for a multimedia marketing team. Yeah. No, obviously I, I agree with that, with that sentiment mm-hmm. is that why in the world would you go capture amazing content um, with these experts, whatever that expert may yeah. be, you know, somebody who has pivoted in, in time of crisis or, you know, for a different show and a different time and a different purpose, someone in your team talking about, you know, very tactically about what they do. Why would you waste that content? Why would you waste the opportunity of that content to, to just publish it and walk on to the next when there's so yeah. much more that you could pull from it? Let's talk future. So the show's been around for eons in, in podcast in podcast years, right? I mean, five years is a long time for, for a brand show since it's so new to so many people. What's next for the growth show and for podcasting in general at HubSpot? Yeah. I mean, we ask ourselves what's next at, at the end of every season. So whether it's five years is actually not like, it, it feels meaningful as a mile marker, but after the first season, we were asking what's next. After the second season, we were asking what's next. And I think the idea is, you know, this is a very fluid, evolving space and needing to shift your stories to try to, to match that and reflect that um, is really important. So, um, but to more directly answer your question, you know, I think that for the growth show, it's a nice vehicle to really just follow the narrative of what's happening in the world. And we will probably continue to chase down, you know, as, as the chapters progress in, in this tremendous change we're going through right now, we want the growth show to be our vehicle to follow that. So I think you'll see more episodes talking about the pioneers of business that come out of this stronger. I think you'll see episodes uh, with leaders who can help answer. We, we just had a, a woman on, who um, talked through anti-racist training inside companies and uh, what you need to think about there. So we'll continue to probably use the growth show as our vehicle to tackle some of those key strategy questions that a lot of the leaders in our space are, are working through right now. We are thinking a lot more about how we should think about podcasts in different regions mm-hmm. as an overall strategy. So it's actually really fascinating because one of the side effects, the positive side effects of SkillUp is when you do a how-to podcast like that, not only is it good for search, but it's great for localization into different regions because typically the, the educational needs across regions don't change that much. If I'm doing a podcast, if I'm doing a growth show and I'm interviewing companies that are, first of all, the interviewer is English speaking and, and very North American based that doesn't translate as well necessarily to Brazil or Latin America. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing podcasts on how to do SEO for the first time, you can then take that script and hire or outsource to have somebody in China, someone in Brazil, someone in, in market, mm-hmm. yeah, in market to then make that their own and very quickly turn out different uh, regional content. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're exploring that a little bit more of like, how do we, and the, the interesting thing about different markets is for as crowded as some regions are in their podcasting space, there are other regions that are just coming to podcasting and there's more blue ocean there. And so we're thinking about how to lean into those regions where podcasting is really sort of rising 
in terms of listenership and yet isn't as crowded as it is in, say, the States or the UK. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to think about that because I know on one hand, five years is such a long time. On the other hand, it's, it's a blink of an eye, but it's incredible to listen to the evolution of an experiment into now you're talking about regionalizing this show so that, or, or this show or this concept, this medium is, you know, podcasting Absolutely. at HubSpot mm-hmm. to be something that literally speaks natively to different markets around the world. And so yeah. that's quite an experiment, right? It's yeah. quite, quite an outcome. That said, what advice would you give to um, marketers and brands that are thinking, okay, you know, maybe, maybe we need to do this or they, they're, they're in it and they're, they're looking to, to make it better? What podcast as part of a brand strategy advice would you give? So I think I have to give credit to Nick and say, I think you need to know why you're starting a podcast to begin with. And if you don't have a good reason, then it's, there's no shame in not doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, you can invest those calories and those dollars elsewhere in a really meaningful and unique way. But then if you do have that reason, and if you do have that unique um, space you're going to fill in the market, then absolutely go after it and try to be really clear about what you're trying to achieve so that you aren't using the, the wrong ruler or metrics tech to try to uh, determine its success. I think that there's great opportunity. Like one of the choices that you should make is, do I want to own a podcast and produce a podcast or do I want to just be a guest on others' podcasts and get the word out that way? At what point do you make that, that pivot to deciding to own your own property and put the work into promoting that? I would also pay attention right now to some of the changes that are going on in the broader podcast space. There's this sort of rally between Spotify and Apple when it comes to sort of distribution of podcasts. I would look really closely into much like how you study the algorithm of Google to figure out what's going to work for SEO. I think it's important to study discoverability um, on Spotify and discoverability in iTunes and try to unpack what works to get on charts there or to get recommended there. I think that's an important piece here because the podcasts that I've seen really struggle are just the ones that can't crack that discoverability. I guess a quick question, quick follow-up to that, especially from an inbound standpoint, Mm -hmm. what's your view on owning your audience and sending people to listen, at least for the first time on your own site and leveraging your own properties to say, hey, we have a podcast to at least start listening here. Yeah. I mean, I think the nice thing about having a uh, space on your site for your podcast is what I was referring to before about like, don't overvalue the format over the story itself. If you mm-hmm. host your podcast on your website, you can have all sorts of supplementary material. You can have the blog posts that, is, that are associated with it. You can have behind the scenes content and you can get subscribers that way by creating sort of added value and making that more of an experience for your bigger fans, right? I think you have to both be aware of what the dominant behavior is, Mm -hmm. um, but then also lean into ways that you can, can create a unique experience for your listeners too. And having a place on your site where you can build around that story, I think is a, a really meaningful thing. Sounds great. Okay. So before I let you go, in summary, what has 
how has podcasting impacted you and, and your, your role over the last, as I'm sure it has evolved and changed over the last five years? What kind of part has it played in, in your professional development? I'm so grateful to be part of The Growth Show. I think that it's made a major difference in my own development and um, my exposure to different people and different stories. It, I know for a fact that I've become a better thinker and writer because of those conversations. And so it would be like, I, you know, if they came to me tomorrow and said, hey, we're hanging up shop on The Growth Show, I would be okay. But I would be sad because it really has enriched my own understanding of the business world. I'm a fan of the show. I would listen to the show if I weren't hosting it. And I think that's really what you're trying to achieve is if you make a show that, that you feel adds value to your own life, that's a pretty good indication that it's going to add value to somebody else's. It's a great place to leave it. And I couldn't agree more. So thank you so much for sharing personally and professionally as part of your, your team and your, your brand, um, what podcasting has done for you. And thanks so much for being here. Yeah, no worries, Lindsay. I, I really appreciated the time to come chat. And it's still, it's just like a really cool, ever evolving space. There are so few places in marketing that are untapped, un, like where there's just green space still to try to uh, learn. And this is one of them. So it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Very much so. All right. Well, thank you so much. And of course, everybody listening should listen to The Growth Show and check out the other podcasts that HubSpot is doing. That's our show. Thanks for listening. For more from today's guest, visit casted.us to subscribe and to receive our show as it's published, along with other exclusive content each and every week.